Good morning, welcome to Blue Water Mission. Thank you so much for being flexible with us as we're kind of doing church now virtually. So uh, we kind of just put something, a team together to kind of make this happen and I, we're, we're really excited about really how the Lord is gonna to minister to you uh, this morning as you kind of uh, participate in this way of church. We've heard people actually wanting to gather together in their homes, so continue to do that and do what you think is best for you and your family and your community. So, sorry. so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come and we just, just want to gather together and really connect with you. Lord, we thank you that you are the power of hope and authority in our lives, and I pray that you would just fill us up in that way, minister to us so that we can minister to our families, our neighbors, the people around us, Lord, to be your salt and light. Thank you so much, Lord, that you are above beyond any problem and any issue in our life and in our community. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. online service is online service so you all look particularly beautiful to me today we're not meeting in large group gatherings and this has to do with some 
directions that uh, the Hawaii governor issued in keeping with health department advice to suspend gatherings of over 100 people. Uh, we're not people who live in fear and anxiety. However, we want to be good citizens on the island, uh, and we want to, uh, want to cooperate as much as possible. Uh, so we're going to suspend uh, our Sunday church services uh, for a week or two and then take it from there. Uh, in the meantime, we definitely want to be the community of God. We want to be a community of joy and, and faith and love and a community that blesses uh, the, the world around us. So I really encourage everyone to stay active. Stay active in your ohana groups, for instance, to stay uh, rigorous in your relationships and to stay um, motivated in your ministry to do outreach to those who might be especially anxious in the world around you right now. The people need uh, the, the church uh, in this season, and we want to be vessels of light and not vessels of fear. So, so more, more power to you. Uh, one update that I wanted to give everyone uh, this week has to do with our property search, which continues. I know a lot of people have been praying and, and trying to discern about that. I don't have a lot to um, to give you by way of new information, except that we are trying to piece together a proposal uh, with our partners uh, for the piece of land in Manoa that we've been talking about. Um, it is still a long shot. Please hear me say that. It's a long shot. And I'm just um, uh, us piecing together a proposal doesn't mean anything super significant yet. Uh, but there were many of you who toured the property with us last Sunday, and many of the leaders have been working on this. Um, and uh, I'll let you know uh, if the proposal comes together successfully, and then I'll keep you updated on, on the status of things. Even if we propose to buy, does not mean that we have committed to buy anything. This is a very fluid situation. Uh, but we feel led by the Lord to try, and, and that's where that is. We will be keeping you updated on activities uh, in the church, smaller activities and ideas that we have for um, you know, HANA group uh, outreach and things like that, as well as you know, our thinking on the unfolding of this virus scare uh, in, in the world around us. We'll be sending those things out on email, we'll be posting via social media uh, as, as the week unfolds, so please stay tuned. In the meantime, thank you uh, for being Blue Water Travelers with us in the midst of this very complex season in the world. We think ultimately it will be fruitful and we'll find a way to glorify Christ and gather people in to the body. Bless you. All right, thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for joining us and tuning in this morning. We have our congregation here in the office. And we're going to do a service just like normal. My name is Ben. I get to share the message today. Um, just a quick update on my life this morning. This past week was a huge week for me. I turned 41. Yay. That's right. I made it through the horrible year of 40. It's a really soul-crushing realization that you're getting older. But one good thing happened this last year. Get ready. I lost 20 pounds. Nice. I said yeah. 20 pounds. Laco. How come you guys didn't tell me I was starting to look like a pear? A Korean pear. Kind of a watermelon. Okay, watermelon. Thanks, Jordan. That's your pastor. Well, what's the secret of losing weight? Here's my secret. Turkey. Turkey everything. I switch from regular bacon 
Now I eat turkey bacon. Ground beef has become ground turkey. Turkey chili, turkey wraps, turkey, turkey, turkey. And here's another clue that may help you lose weight too. Except for special occasions, I've given up my last addiction, white rice. That's right. No. Yes, I did it. And I've lost 20 pounds. The bad news is I'm 41 and all I eat is birds. Go vegan. Yeah, next year. Hey, let's pray together, guys. Will you bow your heads with me together as we pray? Father, we pray that you would open your word to us this morning as we celebrate your forgiveness and grace. Even in this tumultuous, anxiety-filled time, we want to trust in you. So no matter how old we are or how young we are or where we're at in life, you still have plans for us. You can do anything when we step out in faith and we try. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, at Blue Water, it's our custom to open up with a warm-up question, so here it goes. If you could only eat one more meal, what would that meal be? Okay, so you're surrounded with the people that you're watching this sermon with. What would your favorite meal be? Take a few minutes, turn to your neighbor, and share your thoughts. Go for it. Not turkey. Dim what? sum. Dim sum. Brian? What would I not eat? No, what would you eat? A lot of peas. A lot of peas. Lot of peas. peas, okay. Turn to your neighbor and then share what you would eat as well. Brian would eat peas or not peas? Peas. peas. Okay, we're just going to jump right back in. We already heard what the uh, office staff would eat, but what would you eat? Here's what I would eat. I'm a very simple person. I love three things in life. You should know this about me. I love number one, hanging out with people and eating food. Number two, hanging out with people, watching something or listening to something and eating food. Or number three, just eating food, even by myself. I love food. Now. What would I choose as my last meal? I would choose a ribeye steak. Boo. Yes! Which is why me losing that weight was such a miracle. And yes, I'm changing my ways, but the heart wants what it wants, guys. Now, I'm about to be real vulnerable with you. I have to confess something about me. And I don't just love steak. I have a passion for steak. I'm addicted to it. I've eaten a lot of it. And in the spirit of vulnerability, I did the math. And I wanted to confess to you today how much steak I've eaten. Here's the breakdown. In my 20s, I ate two to three steaks a week. So 2.5 steaks times 52 weeks equals 130 steaks per year. Now, in my 30s, I upped it. I ate three to four steaks a week. So 3.5 steaks times 52 weeks equals 182 steaks per year. You multiply these numbers by 10 years each and you have a total of, get ready Jordan, 3,120 steaks. I said 3,120 steaks. You're my idol. Oh yes, and Jordan is never gonna ask me to share a message again. God forgives Ben. He's a vegetarian. We've been in a series entitled Stuff Jesus Did and walking through the book of Matthew. 
Last week, Jordan covered the first half of the chapter of 14 and explained the methodology of a miracle. And today's message is entitled, The Anatomy of a Try. At Blue Water, we say faith is spelled what? T-R-Y. T-R-Y, try. It's kind of our motto. It's on the bulletins. We made t-shirts. And here at Blue Water, we love to try. I don't know much about the human body, but I can tell you the anatomy of a cow in my sleep. Just like a cow has its different parts, the tenderloin, the sirloin, the ribeye, every try can be broken down into its different parts. And each miracle or great accomplishment of faith begins with a simple try. And today we're going to do our best to distill Peter's great try into lessons we can implement into our lives. So here's a little context before we dive into the last half, the half of the chapter. This is one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and it comes right after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus and the disciples were coming off a crazy week of ministry, and these guys are bone tired. And we pick up the story in verse 22, and you can read along on your screens, so we're going to dive right into it. Matthew 14, 22 through 33 says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Well, this morning, we're going to be breaking down the anatomy of a tribe. There are three points I want to highlight. First, number one, every great tribe begins with hard times. Every great tribe begins with hard times. Most miracles are born out of hard times or difficult circumstances and require a try that seems to come at the most inopportune time. This miracle came at a tumultuous time for the disciples. In the beginning of the chapter, John the Baptist was beheaded. The disciples were traveling with the cousin of John the Baptist, Jesus, who happened to be the reason John was in jail in the first place. There seems to be huge crowds everywhere they go. They couldn't move around without people mobbing them. Jesus sends them away in a boat to the other side of the lake, and as they lay there exhausted, trying to get some sleep, worried about the Pharisees and the crowds that inevitably await their arrival on the other side, we read that they saw someone walking on the lake. Have you ever noticed that God has the worst timing? He waits until the most inopportune time to ask us to step out. He waits until the midnight hour. He waits until everything is on the line. 
and then asks us to come to him, just like he did to Peter. And as many of you know, my dad um, has dementia, and for the last four months, I've been taking care of him. I shared this the last time I got to share uh, uh, a couple months ago. And if it's okay, I wanted to read something that I wrote in my diary a few weeks back that helped me make sense and gain perspective on the whole situation. Um, so it's from a series I've been writing called uh, The Dimension Diaries. And this series, uh, this entry is entitled Day One, You Have My Eyes. So you can just sit back and, and you know listen and hopefully this ministers to your spirit. So day one, you have my eyes. He still hasn't come home. It's been three days. This is the second time in two months, said the house manager at his most recent care home. I got a call from my brother Max at 8 a.m. Dad's been found and he's in the emergency room at Queens. The police found him under the overpass by the airport. Can you go down there? I'm at church. See, Max had just opened his new church and was having his grand opening that Sunday. Ben, the middle child, the one things always seem to fall to, has been chosen to pick him up. I'd recently been having a hard time even, out, even without my dad going missing. I see him and he kind of recognizes me. Hey, let's get out of here, he says. Hey, dad. He looked homeless. Big beard, no teeth. He lost his dentures again. And two huge gashes on his face. It looks like he's been attacked or fallen. My dad has dementia, the worst and best of diseases. The worst because you lose your memories and hence the relationships that you love. The best because if you've had a hard life, many of those memories are deleted as well. My dad's last three days look like they've been pretty hard. I call Max and tell him the news. It doesn't look pretty and I'm not letting him go back to the care home. Well, it was more of a transition home, the best that our limited funds could afford. He had the freedom to come and go as he pleased, but as he got worse, they stopped letting us know how bad it was. I told Max I was going to take him home. I had to. He could not be admitted to the hospital, and I was not about to let him walk back into the wild. This was the most stressful situation I had ever been in in my whole life. As I pull up to my house, Ike comes out to meet me. He is my younger brother who was just released from prison and had been living with me the past two months until he relapsed and I had to ask him to leave. For the last two weeks, he was living with an older lady who seemed to be giving him a second chance, just like I was trying to do. Masako kicked me out, he says. Get out of the car, Dad. Ike, this is the worst day of my life. Good timing, man. Get the bucket, we're gonna wash his feet. We sat outside my covered porch and we gave him a preliminary scrub down. I scrubbed and Ike filled and dumped the buckets of black water from his homeless looking feet. This foot bath took about 30 minutes. I used a dog scrub brush. The water changed three times. Ike, can you fill this up again and get me the Dawn from the sink? He must not have showered in weeks. Because of his dementia, he'd been refusing to shower. I heard they do this. Dad, let's go inside. Time for a shower. I'm good. No, Dad, you gotta get in. He finally got in, and then right then and there, I began my assignment as caretaker of my father. From homeless wanderer covered in black dirt to a clean, scrubbed-down man who could sleep in a bed safe with his family. See, now you feel better, right? Yeah. Okay, now go to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. Ike was still high and kind of in shock. He'd been clean and sober for eight years while in prison, 
and now he had screwed up and relapsed, his greatest fear. Now he's taking in this dramatic scene which much, with much less bandwidth to deal with it. Ike, I'm gonna need your help. Watch the door, make sure he doesn't leave. I'll see you in the morning. Ike laid down on the couch and took up his post as door guard. After my shower, I laid my head into my pillow. I felt just like my dad, clean, exhausted, and confused about what had just happened. I was facing my greatest fears, facing the truth of my helpless father's mental illness and being stuck having to care for my parents just like it had been my whole life. But this time, it was not my father's fault. My father and I have a complicated relationship. We're close, but not because of respect, but because of blood. To tell you the truth, I'm still trying my best to not be like him. In fact, my whole life I've been trying the exact, to be the exact opposite and want no part of me to resemble him. But I still love him. Most of his mistakes with my mom were made when he was still just a kid. And I've made some bad choices myself, I get it. And as we woke the next morning, I made him his oatmeal and sat down right next to him. And we ate together for the first time in years, both of us not saying a word. He was happy and content in this present moment. I was staring at him and wondered what he was thinking and wondered if he knew who I was. Just then he said, hey, hey, you have my eyes. We have the same eyes. And I said, yes, dad, I do. I have your same eyes. And opportunities to try come at times when we least expect them. When the times are tough and when the seas are rough, God might ask you to try. And sometimes the miracles that require the most faith aren't walking on water, but reconnecting with a distant family member, or apologizing to someone you've hurt, or sharing the truth that you've been holding in all these years. How are we doing? You guys okay? Good. Keep it up. Okay, point two. Here's the second point. Every try requires great courage. I said, every try requires great courage. Did you notice how Peter was the one who asked Jesus? Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, it says, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come. And Jesus said, come. Man, sometimes I watch people's lives and I wonder how they got there. And I realize they must have had a lot of courage to step out of that boat. So here's a couple of examples. Jordan and Sonia starting our church at Blue Water. That was a step of courage. I mean, they're really qualified. I'm not saying you're not qualified. I'm saying it took you a lot of courage to step out of the boat. And because of that, can I get a response? No? Amen. Amen. Okay. And he stepped out of the boat and they came to Hawaii and they planted this church. And here we are 10 years later, all uh, really being blessed by their courage. I think of the marriages that started at Blue Water. Maybe you've, been, you've uh, met your loved one here on a Sunday morning. Maybe you've just come on a Sunday morning and you found community. Maybe you found Jesus for the first time since you came to this church. Um, for me, this was a huge 
part of the last five years of my life is that I found a new community here, new friendships, um, and I'm totally content at where God has me. So Blue Water Mission, a step of courage. The second example I can give is, you know, this week I saw on TV, I was watching KITV4 and um, Gabby um, was on there talking about her foundation and her son, um, Grayson, had lost his life uh, to cancer a few years ago. And they decided to step out of the boat and with great courage minister to families who's, who've also lost a child. And during the, the broadcast, they shared all the impact that God's doing in the community with these people. Now imagine the courage it must have taken and it takes daily to face that and to make an impact. So we honor them. Uh, we honored their courage this morning. And also, I, I don't have a lot of stories of great courage in my life, but I could tell you a simple story of, um, of courage. When I was in grad school a few years ago, and by few years ago, I mean 10 years ago, because I'm getting older. Amen. Yes. I was asked to lead a small group, and so, so the story goes like this. I was working at a church, and I was doing the worship for a church, and every time you work at a church, they always ask you to lead a small group. Amen. Without fail. And you know, no one really, really wants to lead a small group because it's a lot of work and you have to start with nobody. And so they said, you go to this school. I went to Talbot. It's in California. There's tons of grad students there. So they're saying, you know, you should just, you know, build a ministry and have a big small group and bring them all to our church. And I said, oh my gosh. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Now, I, it was just me and the host. The two of us, and maybe one or two stragglers at the time, um, our closest friends. And so we started the group. Week one, four people. Week two, five people. Week three, eight people. Week four, everyone canceled except for me and the host. And so I'm sharing with my uh, staff, you know, we're all at the staff meeting on Tuesday, and I said, you know, it's uh, everyone canceled for tonight. I think we're going to cancel. And... Um, the pastor looked at me and said, Ben, don't cancel. Just have the meeting. Show up. I said, okay. I'm just going to show up. Now, it would just be me and the host. We're going to have the meeting. And at our staff meeting, we had one older gentleman. His name was Leroy. He was in his late 70s, early 80s. And he was a great saint. Uh, he was worked with InterVarsity, I think, for 30 years when he was younger. And, he would just hang around the office and, you know, kind of still minister to us. He was like a father figure. And he said to me, Ben, I'll come with you tonight. And I said, I said, oh my gosh, thank you, Leroy. So it, it ended up being me, the host, and Leroy at that meeting. And, you know, that's where the rubber met the road because sometimes leading things doesn't turn out the way that you hoped it would. Well, it lasted like that for a couple more weeks. We got a couple more people to come. We did what we could. We were consistent. We kept meeting. And you know what? God did a miracle, mostly because we had a great host and people were just so awesome there. But by the end of the time I left, there were, there were probably 20 people, 30 people that would show up because they found such a community together. And I just always would think back, you know, to Leroy, me, and the host hanging out together that, that fourth week. And today, many of you guys are being asked to do certain things that take great courage. And you think that 
you know, maybe you might fail, and you might, but in the end, God's going to come through for you if you stick around, if you're consistent. So in all of these examples, someone had to get out of the boat. Someone had to take that step. For some of us being a part of Blue Water on a Sunday morning or watching this uh, uh, video online is a step of courage for you. Who knows what God might do with your little try in the long run. But remember this, every great miracle or movement or organization or business or small group began with a courageous try and a single step. The third and last point is this. Every great try is messy. The scripture says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, Peter is a great example because he's just like us. John seemed to always say the right thing. Paul was Mr. Smarty Pants. Martha was a great interior designer and a perfect host. Mary was the teacher's pet. Matthew was always really good with his money and other people's money. Timothy was submissive and great at honoring his mentors. But Peter, here's a guy I can relate to. He wasn't perfect, but he maximized everything he had and wasn't scared to lay it on the line. Sometimes at family dinners, uh, at my family with my brother, we used to play this game. It's called Highlight Low Light. I don't know if you guys have ever played that. So you say your highlight of the day. Have you ever played the Highlight Low Light, you guys? Yeah. Jordan has. You say the highlight and then you say your low light. So I'm going to give a highlight and low light reel of Peter's life. Here it is. Peter's highlight reel. He walked on water. He was the first one to recognize and say Jesus was the Messiah. He was the leader of the apostles. He gave the first evangelistic sermon. He bore the responsibility of the entire church at its infant stages. He evangelized the world and died in Rome as a martyr. Now here's his low light reel. He tried to tell Jesus what to do all the time. You will not go to Jerusalem. Don't you dare wash my feet. He overpromised and underdelivered regularly. No one's going to do nothing to you. I'll die before I let them touch you. He lied to a little girl who was going to turn him in. I swear to you, I don't know him. He had a temper, always cutting people's ears off. He liked status. He voted for circumcision against Paul. He was quick to speak and slow to listen, just like us. Can you relate? Let me hear all the imperfect blue water triers make some noise in this office. There they are. They're yes, imperfect. The I suck. Keyword was imperfect. That was quack. Now, here at Blue Water, we even give out awards for trying, okay? Every year, we have an annual Blue Water Leadership Dinner. And if you've led a ministry, you get to go to this dinner and celebrate everything God's done in the church in the last year. And if you want to come next year, maybe you can take responsibility for a ministry and get your invitation. You have to talk to Kwa or Julie or Antonio. But during this dinner, we celebrate different things and give out awards called Blueies. One of the categories is most spectacular whiff. Now, this is a big try gone wrong. I forgot who won because there were so many failures and so many whiffs at our church. The winner escapes me. But I'm proud to be 
a part of this biblical church who gives props and faith tries and awards to people's courage and their try, not perfect behavior. The story of Christian history is messy and is filled with messy people, messy leaders, and messy followers, just like us. Now, when I took my father in, I had a clean house. I had a clean conscience. I had a clean schedule. I had a clean bathroom. But I learned pretty quick that things are going to change around here. Things are going to get messy. I would often find candy bars half eaten in his bedding. Or before I knew it, I was throwing away one pair of boxer briefs a day because he couldn't control his bowel movements. Is that TMI? I don't know. Or the worst was band-aids. I would find band-aids, bloody band-aids, in the drawers, under his pillow, in his pockets. He would scratch at his wounds, not allowing them to heal. I remember one day, I was about to wash his bedding, and I looked and saw a dark, brownish, reddish stain. And then I looked, there was all over the pillowcase and the sheets, dark, brownish, reddish stains. My mind had a quick meltdown, because I have OCD. I didn't know what this was. And subconsciously, my mind did a quick calculation, and I thought this could be one of three things, blood, chocolate, or doo-doo. Which one, I did not know. I would have to get closer and take a look. Now, fake Christianity, clean. Real Christianity, messy. Why? Because you gotta get in there. You really gotta get in there with people. It's gonna get messy. It ain't gonna go as planned. But this is my encouragement to us. Keep wiping, keep washing, keep cleaning out the drawers. And remember this, God isn't looking for perfect circumstances or perfect people. He is looking for Peters and Yous and Mees and Quacks and Brians and Jordans and Bens. I know I'm in good company. This community is full of messy people, mistake makers who keep on trying. And I know in the course of a week, you're trying at least two and a half times. And if you multiply that by 52 weeks, that's a lot of miracles at Blue Water. And I'll close with this final story. Last December, I reported that I was looking for a nursing home that could care for my father's needs now that his dementia has progressed. And I'm happy to report that in February, he got into a nursing home with a full-time dementia staff and is doing much better. He is content and safe and learning to adapt to his new surroundings. And I realized God let me have that time with him. It was hard, but I had a thousand miracles and a thousand Peter Lowlight moments as well. But the main thing is I feel like once again, I'm living in the midst of a miraculous life with a miraculous God in a church filled with people who consistently laid on the line and tried. The Christian life of miracles and tries looks like our lives. In the midst of the hard times in our regular lives, God can give us tremendous breakthroughs and moments where we see him move in miraculous ways. I just wanted to read that again. The Christian life of miracles and tries looks like our lives. In the midst of the hard times in our regular lives, God can give us tremendous breakthroughs and moments where we see him move in miraculous ways. What boggles my mind is that God partners with us. 
He uses messy people to clean up messy situations. He calls out to us and waits for us to come to him. He waits for us to try before he performs the miracles. So I want to encourage you, if you are in a hard season or up against the wall, God has a way out and is asking you to take that step out of your comfort zone and try once again. He won't let you sink. He knows you're not perfect, but he honors the courageous with a miraculous life. And in summary, if you take some hard times, some courage and a messy person willing to go up and clean out a mess, you have a proper try. So how do we apply this? Simply find a mess and try cleaning it up. Find a mess and try cleaning it up. So the question is, what is your mess? Also, God never calls us to things or places. He always calls us to people, even to himself. Not what, but who is God calling you to? What mess are you called to clean up? We want to spend a few moments even now and ask him, who can we help? Who can we serve? And who can we clean? And what is my first step? So we're going to pray uh, this morning. And you can bow your heads with us. Um, we're going to pray now and ask the Lord to be speaking to all of us. Um, will you bow your head and pray with me? Father, you always call us to people, not places or causes. You don't care about causes. You care about us. So this morning, who is it you are calling us to get up close to and serve and clean? And then second, God, what is that first step? Will you be speaking to us now? Maybe for some of us this morning, you're calling us to the people around us. It might not be someone in a different country. It might be someone in our family. Maybe we need to step out and try once again. Maybe we need to be the people that give our brothers or our fathers or our mothers a call or an apology or an I love you or a text this morning. For others of us, God, maybe we need to take our first step to come to you. And some of us might be feeling like we, our sin is holding us back from you and that you can't clean up our mess and we want to be clean before we come to you. But this morning, you're reminding us that you are okay with the mess as well. You got right down and dirty with us. You're the one that came and washed the disciples' feet. You said that you're the one that cleans us, God. We don't have to clean ourselves before we come to you. So we're just following your example this morning, God. We also ask, God, that you would help this church to be the church that goes out into the world with audacious, spectacular, crazy tries. Um, tries that require great courage. Uh, whether it's starting foundations that minister to people or whether it's starting a church or whether it's going to an Ohana group even though you don't know anybody, or maybe it's for the leader that's been here for a long time, and it's now time to rise up and become that leader and lead an Ohana group. We ask that you would speak to us about that today, God. 
What is that first step for us? Lord, in these crazy times, we pray also for your wisdom as a church as we minister to those around us um, as they're filled with anxiety may we be filled with purpose and peace and wisdom and may we be the kind of people that people come to uh, because they need a refuge they see you in us so god we thank you for your um your presence even though we're gathering all over the city all over the island and all over the world you're still bonding us together in unity under one uh, banner, um, under one purpose. And God, finally, we ask that you would make us a people of trying, God, that we would continue to be the courageous uh, people who follow in your footsteps. Um, so we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen.